Malachi chapter 4. I'll be reading from verses 5 to 6. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Notice that, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, would you please turn with me over to First Kings. First Kings. Chapter 17, and we're just going to read verse 1. First Kings, chapter 17, and verse 1. And it said, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your precious blood. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we can sing from our very innards, Lord, that we are the redeemed of Christ. Lord, I am conscious, Lord, this morning, Lord. I am conscious, Lord, that I cannot even in my own power put pen to paper, Lord, but it is all by you. Lord, your people, Lord, this nation, Lord, this world needs a message from God and not from man. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that your message, Lord, would speak forth. Lord, just guide me and lead me through this, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Now, I think it's plain for everybody to see the days that we are living in. And certainly, coming towards the last days, some people may say that we're in the last chapter of history. But to be honest with you, I think we're on the last page. We're coming so, so close. And in these times, uh, as Pastor Ken has been preaching on the Laodicean church, and in the last days, unfortunately, we have a situation of the Laodicean church But there was also something else. There was a promise given by the Lord. As we have already read in Malachi. There was a promise that there would be those raised up in the spirit of Elijah. Now don't get me wrong. Part of this was fulfilled with John the Baptist. But also as I said remember. He said before the great and terrible day of the Lord. That was the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you start to see in the world how things are, and I'm not just saying just in this nation either, but you start to see it in other nations, the Lord is doing something. You can really start to see a move of the Lord in the nations and in ministries. And to be honest with you, brother, and I'm just going to say this this morning, I can see that the Lord is really doing something in this ministry. And I believe that we are starting to see the start of this Elijah ministry coming to the world as we know it now. We're starting to see it. And I just want to give a bit of background <clears throat> to Elijah's day. 
And you'll see, uh, if you like, a mirror image of what is happening in our day when you look at Elijah's life. So if you would look at chapter 16, and we're going to read a few verses here from, from chapter 16, that's 1 Kings chapter 16, and we're going to start at verse 29 and read down to verse 33. And it says, In the thirty and eighth year of Asa king of Judah began Ahab the son of Omri to reign over Israel. And Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel and Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that was were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing to, to him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal, and worshipped him. And he reared up the altar of Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab had made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Now you'll notice, as a bit of background here, You'll notice that Saul was appointed king over Israel, and then you had David, and then you had Solomon, which was David, sort of the end of David's reign to Solomon was almost like the golden era of Israel. But then after that, there was just a breaking away. They were divided. You had Jeroboam, who ended up ruling over the northern ten tribes of Israel, and then you had Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, who was over the two tribes in Judah. So there was a split. But the one thing that you'll find is that Jeroboam, when he split away, he had a massive problem. That the people of the northern kingdom had to come down um, for the feasts, uh, to observe the feast days. So there was Passover, there was uh, Pentecost, there was the Feast of Tabernacles, and they all had to go down and worship at Jerusalem. And of course, the high priest then, he had an influence over them. So he was frightened that if they kept going down there, that the high priest would have an influence over them and they would end up turning back to become one kingdom. So what he did was he came up and he made two golden calves and he planted one of them in Bethel and the other one in Dan. And then he started to say, these are the gods that brought you up out of Egypt. And that's where it all started. Then from then on, you see this steady decline decline in the nation of Israel. And then you start to see the abominations come in. But Ahab was the seventh king of Jeroboam. He was the seventh. And his reign was from about 871, 871 to 852 BC, around that sort of area. So then you get the young man that he's taken to the throne. But what you have to remember was, at that time, there was also a lot of tensions because of the split, there was all these other nations vying for position. Now, you have to remember the, the, ten, uh, the ten tribes or the kingdom of, of Israel at that time and Judah all lay across some prime trade routes. So Ahab <clears throat> thought in his wisdom to try and even halt anybody or any invasions that he would marry into the Zidonians. But the Zidonians, they're called Zidonians, but they're also called Phoenicians. 
So you had the Venetian Empire, which was a vast empire. They were traders, and the wealth of them was surpassed. They even traded as far as, as Great Britain, and they were all over. And even it's said as well as um, you've heard of Carthage and Hannibal. Well, they say he was Venetian. Some even actually say he was a apostate Israelite that had set up a settlement there. So you can see how powerful they were and how they had the, all the armies. And he thought he'd made a great decision. He'd got this beautiful wife, Jezebel, and that he'd just secured himself for years to come in this alliance. But he was wrong. Because Ahab didn't realize what was going to start happening. I don't think even Ahab realized the, just the debauchery that was going to happen from taking this woman as his wife. And I don't think he even realized the influence that was in her life, and we've got to see it. If you go to 1 Kings <clears throat> in chapter 21, and you'll see what starts to happen there. To Ahab. 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 25 through to 26. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up, and he did very abominable in the following idols, according to all the things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children. Now you see that word, sell himself. And the Hebrew is makar. And it means to literally put yourself into slavery. So he put himself into slavery. And then you can start to see his weakness as a leader. Because Jezebel, this influence, as you can see in this verse, stirred him up to do all these evil things. But she was then starting to be the power that was behind the throne. Ahab then became a puppet king. And Jezebel actually means, her name means, married to Baal. And she brought with her 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Ashtaroth, and there were still people that held on to the one true God. But you'll notice, whenever this false worship starts to come into a nation, there's complete intolerance to worshiping the Lord. And we're starting to see that in this nation. When people are saying, oh, you know, they're all right. No, it's not all right. And God even said that. And you can start to see through history why. Because there's an intolerance. They can't stand it. That there's people serving the one true God. So when you look at this. <clears throat> she wanted to eradicate everybody who worshipped the Lord. And what you get as well. Is if you actually have a look at a father's name. Ethbel. Which means with Baal. The thing is. The Zidonians and the Phoenician Empire was ruled from a capital. So he was the king, and listen to this, he was the king of Tyre. Does that ring a bell? King of Tyre. Because if you have a look in Ezekiel 28, 
And you have a look at the king of Tyre. Now, it wasn't the same king because that was a few years later. But you start to see, revealed to Ezekiel, the power that was behind the throne. Because he says to the king of Tyre, and he starts speaking to him, and he said, you were in the Garden of Eden. You were arrayed in light. You were the anointed cherub. And he's talking to Satan himself, the devil. So you can see Jezebel. What's the spirit behind her? It's demonic. It's the devil himself. So Baal and Ashtaroth, there was all this worship going on. Baal, he was meant to be this storm god and he was meant to be married to, to, to Ashtaroth. And Baal, there was human sacrifice. There was sacrificing the babies onto Baal. Ashtaroth was a fertility god, so that was sexual immorality. That was temple prostitutes. So you can see it just started to get worse. Israel started to become a pit. Until one day, God intervenes. Go back to our first verse, 1 Kings 17 and 1. We'll read it again. said, Elijah the Tishpite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years according to my word. Elijah's name means Yahweh is my God. And Tishpite actually means captivity. And it's amazing to me when you see that the Lord called this man out of captivity and that just shows you the ministry of Elijah he was calling Israel out of captivity from a satanic influence that's what he was doing so you can imagine as he walks in everything seems to be rosy in the garden for Ahab he's just married this woman and he thinks he's all secure and everything And then all of a sudden in the courts, you have all these prophets of Baal and everything else. And then bam, a servant comes in and says, there's a man come to see you. What's his name? Yahweh is my God. Ahab would have known there was something wrong then. And then when he walks in, what does he say? As the Lord God of Israel liveth. You've forgotten Ahab. He's the one true God. You've forgotten him. Now at my word, the heavens have got to be shut up. And Elijah's word. Do you know why it was an Elijah's word? Because it was in the will of God. Elijah knew. He knew that when Israel walked away from God, as it says in Leviticus 26, verses 18 through to 20, and it says... If you will not yet, for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron, and your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of your land yield their fruits. He was declaring a death sentence over that nation because of the apostasy. And I've often thought, how can a man 
just walked straight in to a, to a court like that before a king. But you know what amazes me? You see, when there is a man of God and he has a message in his heart, there is nothing the world nor anybody else can do to stop it. He was going into that court and it didn't matter how many there were against him. Because he had that truth in his heart. Elijah, when he strode in. But something always strikes me with Elijah. It says in James... James chapter 5, verse 17, that this man was a man of like passions. Of like passions. And that means he was a man of like nature. The same as us. And what I can't get my head around these days, so many people seem to think that we have to be some kind of superman. That we have to be some kind of Somebody that is so elevated or in some kind of position. It doesn't say anything like that about this man Elijah. In fact, he came from uh, Tishbe, which you would even struggle to find on any maps because it was so far out in the wilderness. It was a place that you wouldn't want to go to unless you had to. But he was completely separated. He was separated in his location, but he was separated in his life on the God. And that's what we need. Brother and sister, let me tell you something. There's a separation coming. I was praying about this and there's a separation coming, not just in the world, but in the church. And let me tell you, there's them that are going to do and there's them that are not. There's them that have got to lay hands and pray for people and there's them that have got to constantly need prayed for. And we have to decide what are we going to do because we have the message, we have the spirit of God and we can take the land. We need to stand up for Christ. Even in the Christless situation and nation that we're in. If Elijah can stride into a court with Jezebel and Ahab, then I'm sure when we've got the spirit of the living God in us, we can proclaim the word of God like never before. We can do it, brothers, sisters, we can do it. And you notice how I declared the famine or declared the rains wouldn't fall. Well, there was a famine in the land, but it was of the bread of life. Hosea tells us in chapter 4 and verse 6, he says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. The church has forgotten. It's forgotten what it says in the word. It's mingling itself with everything of the world. It's trying to make the world think that it's more pleasing to other people. Oh, well, you know what? It gets them in. Well, let me tell you something. If the word of God doesn't get them in, you don't want them in. It's as simple as that. Because they've rejected it. And they don't want it. 
The word of God is enough. And the spirit of the Lord should be moving in a church. And if it's not, then I'm sorry. It's dead. God's not there. It's his body. It's his breath in our lungs. So I want to take you to a place. Please turn to 1 Kings 18. First Kings 18, verse 17 through to 19. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Isn't it always the same yes. when you preach the word? Yes. Well, it's your fault. i oh, sorry, it's my fault for telling you the truth, then, is it? Yeah. It's always the same. Verse 18. And he answered... And I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and have followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mark Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. You notice something, that eat at Jezebel's table. You'll notice that if you look in Revelation you start to see the spirit of Jezebel in there. Revelation 17, 4 and 6, and it says, And the woman arrayed in purple, scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Revelation 4, Revelation chapter 18 and verse 3. And it says, For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are wax rich through the abundance of her delicacies. We can see the spirit of Jezebel moving in this nation. In other nations. And trying to bring us into that Babylonian system. It's time we said, No! We don't eat at that table. We eat at the Lord's table. He is our God and he is our provider. This nation needs to stand up once more for the truth of the word of God because he provides for us. It's not going to be the EU. It's not going to be anybody else. It's going to be the Lord thy God. And we need to take a stand. There's an old saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. I stand for Jesus Christ. Let's not be meaning mouth no more. Amen. The time's passed. It's gone. Now's the time to stand up. And you know what? We've always had it. I can see it starting to move, but we've always had it, brother, sister. We've always had that spirit of God. Always had that message. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. The blood of Christ. Let your eye run down to verse 31, please. He said, and Elijah took the 12 stones. Sorry, we're in 1 Kings 18, sorry. Verse 31. And Elijah took the 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he meant to 
made a trench about the altar as great as it would contain two measures of seed. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that the people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Have you noticed what he was saying? He was saying, Israel, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten when the seas were parted? Have you forgotten when you were in the wilderness? Was it Baal then? No, it was the Lord thy God that brought you out with a strong hand from under the oppression of Egypt, from under all the demonic oppression. It was the Lord thy God that brought you out. It was never a man. I noticed when we looked at our first reading in Malachi, he said, he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. What did he say? Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. What's he talking about? Jacob. They were the fathers of Israel. He was saying, can you not see the relationship that them men had? They loved the Lord with all their life. Turn back to that. Turn back to that relationship, all children of Israel. Turn back to the Lord thy God. Because that's where your blessing comes from. That's where the blessing comes from. And then the fire fell. And consumed the offering. And then you notice what he did. The fire fell. Everybody went down on their faces and praised the Lord. And he grabbed the prophets of Baal and said, now take them and slay them. It's pretty hard, isn't it? That's what he did. You see, there was no compromise in this man. It was one way. It was God's way. And it was got to be done right. That's what we need to do. One way. But I want to give you a warning now. After one of the greatest victories that you see in the Bible comes then this woman Jezebel. What does she do? She sends this man a letter and says, you see what you've done to them prophets? I'm going to do it to you. But let me just point out something here. She sent Elijah a letter and says, Elijah, basically, I'm going to kill you. But it's funny, you see if you read on in a few chapters, there was a fellow called Naboth and he had a vineyard right next to him. And old King Ahab threw a bit of a strop because he wanted the vineyard. So Jezebel says, you know what, I'll get you the vineyard. So she set him up on a charge of treason, let's say, speaking against God and the king. And him and his whole family were stoned. You know what, she never sent him a letter warning him. Do you know why she did it to Elijah? She was terrified of him. She knew that there was nothing that she could do to stop that man. So she had to send him this letter. It was a last-ditch attempt. It was an empty threat. But Elijah, the fear come on him. And he fled into the wilderness. 
But you'll always notice the enemy will always bring fear upon you. But you know what? It's the only tool he's got. You see, if you step out in faith, even in the midst of fear, you see what the Lord will do. He'll break it all. We need to start stepping out in faith. I've often said it so many times, there should be no such thing as a comfortable Christian. Because if we're comfortable, then we're doing something wrong. We need to be stepping out. Even at times when you think, well, it's terrifying, I can't do that. You know what? You may can't. You may not be able to. But the Lord thy God can do through you. The Spirit of God can move through you. Let him do it. Let him move. But the Lord doesn't forget. With Jezebel and everything she did, she slew the prophets of God. She sent this letter to the prophet of God and he flew into the wilderness. But the Lord doesn't forget. Because you read in 2 Kings in chapter 9, verse 31. 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 31. You see that Jezebel, what happens to her? There's the king of Israel rides in. His name is Jehu. And he's just been anointed king by Elisha. Not Elijah, Elisha. And as he comes in, this is, this is what it says. And as Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, that is Jezebel, had Zimri peace, who slew his master, and he lifted up his face to the window and said, who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs, and he said, throw her, Jezebel, down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled upon the wall and on the horses, and he trod her underfoot. In other words, he went straight over her in his chariot. Verse 35, and it says, And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull, the feet, and the palms of her hands. You know what the Lord was saying? You see all your good looks, Jezebel. You see all that beauty that you pride yourself in, all that seductiveness. It's all destroyed. And you see that very head that you used to adorn, all that Babylon, all that Baal worship. You see that mouth that used to speak all them blasphemies that put my prophets to death. Not even the dogs want it. You see them hands that used to handle them babies when you're sacrificing them. They're an abomination unto me. You see them feet that used to walk in the way of Balaam because you're completely rejecting me. Not even the dogs wanted them. There's something that this nation has to learn and that the church has to learn. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. And the cold hard fact is judgment is going to start in the house of the Lord. Brother and sister, we need to be ready like we've never been ready before. How's your heart before God? How's your walk before Him? Make sure you're ready. Make sure you're ready for what the Lord wants to do in your life. 
because we can start to see it move more than ever. We just recap on the ministry of Elijah. There was a separation. He had separated himself from what was going on in Israel at that time. He'd separated himself onto the call of God. He'd separated himself from anything that was ungodly. There's a separation. There was a restoration. There was a rebuilding of the altar. There was a rebuilding of relationship to God. There was that rebuilding for the foundation of a nation to prosper again. And the third thing was, was a deliverance. There were some people actually saw that the Lord, thy God, was the deliverer of Israel. Not all of them. Some of them saw it and they started to see who the Lord was. And you know what? That will always happen in any nation. There'll be just some that will reject everything. But there'll be some that will turn and be on fire for God. And I just want to put as a maybe a last thought on this I've always thought this and I, th- I don't think it's I don't think it, it, it's, it's sort of elaborated on as much as it should be <clears throat> see Elijah whenever he sort of come to, to throw the mantle over Elijah and Elijah's turned around and said you know I want a double portion I want a double portion and you know what amazes me The Lord is always looking to do more in every generation that comes along. And we have missed that so much. We've been that busy looking back at what used to happen years ago. And don't get me wrong, I do it. But I always think, Lord, that's what they did back then. But Lord, what do you want to do now? How much more do you want to move in us now? Just like you did in Elijah, you did double in Elisha, and what you did in Elijah. He wants to do more in us. And let me tell you something. You see, before the Lord comes back, I believe you've got to see a move of God in this Elijah ministry like you have never, ever seen before in your life. It is going to eclipse everything that's ever happened in the past. And you can start to see the truth even now being laid down in the foundation of the Word of God. You can start to feel the spirit start to flow. And then you can start to see things happening in people's lives. Brother, sister, you see this nation, it will try and put fear on you so, so much. Don't let it, because the Lord thy God is in control. The Lord thy God is in control. And this Babylonian system, this abomination, because that's what it is, to God will come crumbling down. The only thing you need to think to yourself is, do I want to be a part of what the Lord's going to do in this nation? Do I want to be a part of the restoration of the altar? And when people are saying, oh, you know, we have to, there's love and there's, you know, we have to love everybody. We have, to, we have to embrace them and that. No, I tell you what we need to do. We need to preach the gospel and let the spirit of God come on people and set them alight. Because it's all about the blood of Jesus Christ.
He's still in control. He's still on the throne. And he still wants to move. God bless each and every one of you this morning. It's just a message that was laid upon me. And next week, I don't know, but I was thinking of maybe even doing something on John the Baptist and his ministry. But you know, you can see the spirit of Elijah. And what I want to just encourage you, brothers and sisters, is you see if the Lord's doing something in you and you feel that the Lord's moving in you, let him do it. Don't let fear hold you back. If you need to rebuild that older brother, sister, do it. Get that relationship back with Jesus Christ because he wants to do something. And I can see it happening even in this ministry. You can start to see people are getting healed. People, the spirit of God's moving. We can all feel it, can't we? We can all feel it. He's moving in this place. People are getting saved. Lives are being restored back onto the kingdom. Come on, brother and sister. Let's, let's let God move. Thank you. God bless. Pastor.